be in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Last week we covered the first few words of verse 3, and today we will cover the next few words of verse 3. We are still, I guess, in a sense, kind of in the introduction to the book of Hebrews. There is really a lot for us to consider in these first three verses. While we, that's why we are uh, taking our time on these things. We want, to, we want to have a firm understanding and grasp exactly the importance of who Jesus is and why that is important to the audience receiving this writing and why it's important to us as well. Uh, this is, the book of Hebrews is, is kind of like a sermon, really. It, it's, it's, it's being presented as though it's a sermon, maybe not so dissimilar from the sermon of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. I referenced that uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, and so that, or well, maybe not chapter 7. I'm not sure what chapter. Don't hold me to that. But the, the sermon of Stephen early on in the book of Acts, it's a beautiful sermon. You need to read that sermon. And it covers kind of some of the same ideas. And that's really how this book, I think we should treat it as we read it. It's, a, it's essentially a sermon that is, being, that is being preached to this audience. And the point of the sermon, as we have come to discover, hopefully, is that it's really focused on Jesus. The, the point is to try to draw everybody back to Jesus, that Jesus is the foundation, that Jesus is the center of everything. And that is the point that is being made uh, so, so, so prominently here in these first three verses. So, let's read Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, then we'll pray and dig in. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins... He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you and these words are good, dear Lord. God, your word is so full of goodness for us. It is so full of things we need to hear and things that we need to learn. And maybe we know it well, dear Lord. But maybe even as well as we know your word, God, maybe there is more there than we realize. So God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would always help us to see what you need us to see in your word. God, we thank you that your word is in fact a living word, that it's not something that we just read once and we, we get it, dear Lord. It is constantly speaking to us. You are constantly revealing yourself through your word. And God, I pray that you would do that this morning. I pray that you take away my pride or any nerves that I have, dear Lord, that everything here today would be for your glory. God, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, that I would be able to preach and teach in a way that's effective, God. And I pray that your word would speak to each one of us, dear Lord. So be with me now. Be with us now, God. We need you and we want you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we talked about the glory of God. The week before we talked about that Jesus was the Son of God. And so we're picking up after... The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature. Now, this term that my translation as expression, some of your translations may have representation or something different. Uh, the, the word that we see here, uh, if, if you uh, phonetically speak out the Greek word, it is character. That's where we get our word character from, right? Uh, and one of the definitions of character is it's a, it's a copy, it's an impress, right? It's an exact copy of something. You take something like a newspaper that's being printed. Everything, you've got the, the master plate or whatever it is that's being pressed, that's printing 
carving it on. And everything that is pressed on there is an exact copy of, of the original that was made. And that's who Jesus is for us, right? Jesus is God. He's an exact copy of God, not so much in the way that, that, that he is another God. No, he is God, but, but in, the, in the context of what's being said here, Jesus fully represents everything that God is. So if we say we want to see God, we look to Jesus because Jesus represents exactly who God is for us. It says here that he is the expression of his nature or the expression of God's substance. Okay, so again, everything that God is, Jesus represents to us. Now we could, I believe, spend probably six or eight weeks talking about the nature of God. And I I went back and forth. Do we want to get into this too deeply? We will not at this point in time. Uh, perhaps that'll be a break, break, breakaway study that we'll do at some future time about the nature of God. But, but what are some things that we think about when we think about the nature of God? Well, God is, is, has love. That's part of his nature. Grace and mercy. He is eternal. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. These are some of the things we think about when we think about who God is. What is not God's nature? What are the words that we use and the phrases we use and the definitions we use to describe who God is? These are the things that make up the nature of God. And so when Jesus, the Son, who is the radiance of God's glory, we talked last week about how we see the glory of God in a variety of ways in the Old Testament, but, but we see God's glory in its, in its perfect sense through Jesus Christ. We see who God is and the things that Jesus does. And, and God interacts in a, in a different way, uniquely through Jesus Christ, than, than the way that he acted in the Old Testament. And, and uniquely in a more perfect way in that in Jesus Christ, we have the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And so when we say that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of God's nature or the exact expression of God's substance, that is all that God is is fulfilled in Jesus. It's represented through Jesus. So when we want to see God, we look to Jesus and Jesus shows us all that God is. Now, if your translation uses the word God's substance, that's a word that we see elsewhere sometimes to describe uh, who Jesus is. It says uh, in Colossians uh, chapter, chapter 2, verse 17, it talks about all the, all the feasts and all the special days, and it says of those things that they are but a shadow of what was to come, but that the substance, or some of your translations will say the reality, but the substance of those things in the past, the reality of those things, is fulfilled and fully seen and fully recognized in Jesus Christ. And so we see that idea that the things we see in the Old Testament that are fully God and of God and that are good, they are pointing us always to Jesus Christ, the fullness of God in Jesus Christ. All these things that we see, the laws and the tabernacle and the, and the, and the, and the sacrifices and the priests and all of these things that we see in the Old Testament they are but a shadow, okay? They were, they were good in their time. They were, they were like a guardian, the book of Ecclesiastes says, uh, kind of guiding us along our way until Jesus Christ come onto the scene. And once Jesus comes on, all is revealed in Jesus, right? That's the fullness of everything that we've seen up to this point in Scripture. 
Now again, to remind ourselves, this is significant. Because the problem of the audience here is they were wanting to go back to the old way. They were wanting to turn back from Jesus. And why would they do that? What are they going to get from the pieces of what God revealed in the past when the fullness of what God had revealed had taken place through Jesus Christ? So the sun is the radiance of God's glory. It's, 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 it's like rays of sunshine, right? Everything that, that, that comes from God, that is God, is seen in Jesus, and Jesus is the exact expression of that, of God's nature. All right, that's the first uh, part of the passage uh, here. We, we, we see that uh, spelled out kind of pretty clearly, I would say, uh, in John chapter 4, verse 9, when Philip says, Show us the Father. And what Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 9, he says, The one who has seen me has seen the Father. Right? That's that same idea that we're talking about when we say that Jesus is the expression of, of God's nature. Okay? So when you've seen God, or excuse me, when you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. And that's exactly what Jesus told uh, Philip in John chapter 14, verse 9. Let us move on to the next part of the passage here. This is where we will spend the bulk of our time today. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. Now, it's important for us to realize the significance of the fact that through Jesus Christ, all things are sustained. Now, when you look up sustained, some of your translations may say uphold. Kind of the same idea here, though, regardless of the word that is used. Uh, to sustain is to support, to strengthen, to, to, to be there, to lift up, to, to hold everything together. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing and, and has done from the creation of the world. We see that also in Colossians, that all things were created through him and for him, right? Everything is held together by Jesus Christ. And so if you are attempting to go and follow someone or something other than Jesus Christ, things are going to fall apart. That's the problem that the audience was facing. Perhaps that's the problem that some of us face in our life. We are trying to, to, to get our lives together, but we are constantly picking up the pieces. Why? Because our lives aren't held together. Because we're trying to hold our life together with, with things of the world or with other things that we have made gods in our life, right? But those things can't hold our life together, so our lives are continually broken and, and shattered. But what does Jesus do? He sustains all things. He strengthens us. He, he puts us back together. He puts the pieces together. He makes us whole, and he keeps us going. When we don't think we can go anymore, when we don't think we have the strength, when we don't think we have the power, Jesus is the one who carries our burdens for us. And so when it says here that Jesus sustains all things, this is important, that all things are sustained through Jesus. We see this word that's used here. The Greek word is, is pronounced phero, P-H-E-R-O is the, is the phonetic spelling of it. That's what it sounds like for us. But we see that Greek word throughout the New Testament and, and a lot of different occasions. And it simply means to carry, to carry a burden, to, to be brought to, to bring someone, to bring forth, to carry. Uh, maybe a good example to kind of give us an idea of the, of the, of the, of the meaning of, of this word it, that is helpful is found in uh, Luke chapter 23, verse 26. Now, Jesus had been beaten and mocked and he had, he had suffered just, I mean, you can't even imagine how much he had suffered and how weak he must have been at this point. 
And Jesus had to carry his own cross, but he could not do it. He was physically unable to carry the cross. He had carried it as far as he could, but he could not carry the cross the whole way. And so they grabbed this guy, uh, uh, Simon, uh, out of the crowd, and, and it says that he carried Jesus' cross. The same word is used there, Federo. He carried the cross, right? And so when it says here that Jesus sustains us or upholds us, he, he carries us, he strengthens us. That is, the things that are too much for us to bear, Jesus bears those things for us. Praise the Lord, right? Because of what Jesus did when he went to the cross, he has the power to take everything that you and I can't handle. And that's good news because our lives are full of things that we can't handle. There are times in our life that we are physically, that we are emotionally spent, that we have given all that we possibly can give. And there is not another ounce of strength that we can muster up to carry on with our lives. And so what will we do? Well, hopefully we will call out to Jesus Christ who wants us to come to him and to bring our burdens to him so that we can be forgiven. Uh, Psalm chapter 55 verse 22 says, Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Now that right there is good news. We need to know those words. We need to be reminded of the first part of that psalm. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. Now there may be some of you in this room today and you need to be sustained because you have given all you have got. Life has gotten hard. It has gotten difficult. It may feel like the wheels are falling off, and they may very well be falling off. But who's going to hold you together? Who's going to strengthen you? Who's going to support you? Who's going to sustain you? Who's going to uphold you? It is going to be Jesus Christ if you're going to make it through. He is the only one who can sustain us. So... Jesus is the, the Son of God, the radiance of God's glory, right? The exact expression of his nature. And he sustains all things through what? What does the text say? It says he sustains all things by his powerful word. Now, this is really important for us to think about this when we think about the word of God. If we want to be sustained, how are we sustained? He sustains all things by the word of God. Now, how do we see the Word of God throughout Scripture? Well, I think there are three distinct ways, at least, that we'll talk about today, and, and maybe we could find other. But there are three distinct ways that I think we could describe that we see the Word of God throughout Scripture. Now, one of the ways we see the Word of God is that God speaks and things happen. God literally opens his mouth in whatever way, well, maybe I don't know how God speaks. Maybe he has a mouth, maybe he don't. I don't know. In whatever way that he makes noise, that words come out, God does that. He speaks in some way, shape, or form. And when God speaks, things happen. We see that early on in Scripture. We don't have to read very many verses. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, Then God said, right? Then God said, fill in the blank. God said, and everything was created. Now, think about this for a moment. Think about this. Nothing. Okay, you can't think about that. We can't imagine nothing. And then all of a sudden, that's what God has to deal with. He has nothing, and we can't imagine nothing. But, but if we could, imagine that all of a sudden you speak and things happen. 
Would that not be phenomenal if you could speak and things would happen? How many times have you been driving down the road and this car is in your way and driving too slow? Wouldn't it be great if you could just say, get out of my way, and that car would just... It'd be fantastic if we had the ability to speak and things would happen. But we don't have that ability, praise the Lord, because that's the kind of stuff we'd use it for. But that's not the kind of stuff that God used his powerful voice for. God, now think about this. Think about all the creatures that you see and the beautiful creation that you see. Could you even imagine such things if you had the rest of your life to, to think up creatures? We couldn't even begin to imagine the complexity of the things that we see, and yet this is the things that God came up with. He came up with all these gnarly-looking animals. You ever see like an insect or an animal and something you've never seen before that's super rare, and you don't even think it's real. It's, that, that doesn't even look real. But yet somehow in God, in all of He is, He came up with, the, with these things that we see, and when He came up with them, He spoke, and they came into being. Now that right there is power. When we say that, that God sustains all things by his powerful word, right? He spoke all things into existence, and he continues to sustain all things by his word, and part of what his word is is what he has spoken. We see some other passage, another passage here in Psalm chapter 33, verses 8 and 9. Let the whole earth tremble before the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came into being. He commanded and it came into existence. So what does the psalmist say here? Look, let the whole world tremble. When God speaks, it's a big deal. It's a scary thing. Let the whole world tremble. Why should we tremble when we think about God who speaks? Because a God that is that powerful, a God who can speak and things happen when he says it, this is the God in which we will one day have to stand before. Let the whole earth tremble at the voice of the Lord who has spoken and brought all things into existence. The voice of the Lord is a powerful thing, and we see that throughout the text. And, and one way that we often see the voice of the Lord referenced and referred to throughout the text is as thunder. We see in uh, Psalm chapter 18, verse 13, the Lord thundered from heaven. The Most High projected His voice. Job 37, verses 2 through 5. This is Elihu speaking here, one of the friends of Job. Just listen to his thunderous voice and the rumbling that comes from his mouth. He lets it loose beneath the entire sky, his lightning to the ends of the earth. Then there comes a roaring sound. God thunders with his majestic voice. He does not restrain the lightning when his rumbling voice is heard. God thunders marvelously with his voice. He does great things we cannot comprehend. So here we have a couple of examples that God's voice is thundering. Now, does that literally mean that when we hear thunder, it's God speaking? Well, maybe. Maybe this is simply symbolic language. Uh, thunder is a powerful thing. It's a good descriptor of God's voice. So it may simply be symbolic language, or it very well may be that when God speaks, it literally thunders. I think we have a passage in the New Testament that would, that would at least give good consideration for us on that idea in uh, John chapter 12, verses 28 and 29. This is Jesus speaking here. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. So Jesus is talking to the Father here, and the Father speaks back to Jesus. But 
what is heard when God speaks. Verse 29, the crowd standing there heard it and said it was thunder. Others said that an angel had spoken to him. Now, I don't know what the crowd heard there when God spoke to Jesus, but it appears as though maybe it wasn't clear because some, whenever they heard whatever it was that they heard, they said that it was thunder. Now, maybe some thought it was nothing more than a thunderstorm blowing through. Maybe some heard the thunder and said, oh, no, that's, that's, that thunder is a sign of God speaking. Somebody obviously knew that it was God speaking because we had it recorded here. Maybe Jesus told the apostles later. Maybe, maybe there were some who heard when, when, when it was spoken. But, but the fact of the matter is, is that God spoke, and at least some there in the crowd attributed to thunder. Now, that's a pretty crazy thing to consider, right? I mean... When we hear thunder outside today, could it be that God is speaking? Maybe God is speaking to someone and, and they hear the voice of God and we hear thunder. At the very least, even if that's not occurring, when we hear thunder, perhaps it can remind us of the very power of the Word of God, the spoken Word of God. When we hear thunder, I'm talking about that thunder that really shakes and rattles your house. Think about the power of God in His spoken Word, the God who spoke and things came into existence. Now, this is one way we see the spoken word of God in the Old Testament. Uh, and we see God's spoken word in the New Testament too. But quite often in the Old Testament, you know, we see those thus, thus saith the Lord passages. We see it Exodus chapter 4 when, when God is speaking with Moses and he tells him, go before Pharaoh and say this, thus says the Lord and, and tell him this and this is what to say. We see these types of examples. In, in Samuel, we see that Samuel's supposed to give a message to the people there. And thus saith the Lord. I mean, the examples are plentiful in the Old Testament. And there are large sections of Scripture in the Old Testament. Thus saith the Lord. All right, tell the people this. God spoke to the prophets in some way. Tell the people this. Okay, this is coming directly from the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. So we see God's spoken word in that way. But, but it's also recorded for us in, in written form. It's God's written word. And that's the next distinct way that we see God's word. Okay, We have God's spoken word, and a lot of what we see in the Old Testament of God's spoken word is written. And so the spoken word is simply a written word. But then when we get into the New Testament, we, we don't necessarily see that, that God's word is spoken in the same way. For instance... Take a book like the book of Philemon. It's a very short book. Maybe you've read it before. Well, it's not like in books like that that Paul writes, that Paul says, Thus saith the Lord, Philemon, you need to release your slave. That's not how, how Paul writes the book. Now, can we say that Paul's writings are inspired? Absolutely. I believe that Paul was inspired by God. Did God come before him and say, Paul, thus saith the Lord, you know, uh, do this thing? Maybe God revealed himself to Paul in that way. Or maybe it was just the Holy Spirit working in Paul's life. And, and, and Paul being aware of the Word of God and the things that God had done and the teachings of Jesus, that being led by the Spirit, he penned these things that I believe were of God. But, but God's written Word in the New Testament may look a little different because in the Old Testament it may be exactly this is what God says. Where in the New Testament, maybe God works in a little bit different way through Paul and through other people. But regardless of the instrument and the means by which these men wrote these books... We believe and we come and we study that, that these writings are the Word of God, that God has spoken, revealed, worked through the Holy Spirit in some way, and that the ink that we see on these pages, whether it starts with, Thus saith the Lord, or whether it was penned by the hand of Paul, we believe that these are the words of God. 
We see that in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The Word of God is living and effective. Now, that's, that's fantastic. Now, we read a lot of stuff, probably. You've probably read a lot of stuff in your life, but there is something different about God's Word. I mean, you don't sit down with a Danielle Steele novel and all of a sudden it just moves you and just, just totally has a big effect on your life. Hopefully not. If it does, then I'll pray for you. But, but that's not, you know, we read these things and they don't, they don't have no, they're no big deal. But we read the Word of God and it's like you read it from start to finish and it's like, okay, I've read the Bible, I'm going to move on to the next book. But that's not what we do. We come every week. Every week we come. And we sit in there for 45 minutes, and we read the Word of God and study it and talk about it. And we come in here for 45 minutes, hopefully no longer, and we read the Word of God, and we talk about it. And we do that every week. And some of you have been doing that for 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years. You've been doing that week after week after week, reading the same passages. Why do we do that? Because God's Word is powerful. God's Word is living. God's Word, when we read it, I'm talking about read it. I'm not talking about just, okay, i gotta read, I got to read a few verses. I'm talking about when we really sit there and we look at the Word of God and we say, God, speak to me. Let me see what you have to say. When we read the Word of God, it impacts our life. It is effective. Effective. Why? Because it is the living Word of God, whether it's what we call the Old Testament or what we call the New Testament. The Word of God in written form is powerful. It says the Word of God is living and affected and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the ideas and thoughts of the heart. Man, God's Word is good at that, which is sometimes why people don't want to read God's Word, maybe ourselves. Because God's Word is sharp and it cuts right through all the evil that we're doing in our life. If we really begin to read God's Word, there are times that there are some words that they cut right into the core of our heart and the evil and the sin and the nastiness that is there. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord that God's Word can penetrate us. If we get to a point where we're unpenetrable by God's Word, we're in a bad shape. So long as God's Word penetrates us, it can affect our life because it, it pricks us and it hurts us and it wakes us up, hopefully. That's the importance and the power of God's Word. It's a living Word. There's no other book you're going to read that's going to, to have that same effect on you. That's not to say that you may not read a book and it may not bring something to mind or cause attention to something in your life, but not in the same way that God's Word does. Not in a way that is going to be life-changing. And so we see uh, 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 throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament both the spoken Word of God and the written Word of God. And so when we say that, you know, all things are sustained by the powerful Word of God, we need to see how God's Word is, is shown to us throughout Scripture. He speaks. We see His power in what He speaks. He writes it down. And we need to know the Word of God, which is why we study it, which is why we try to memorize passages, which is why we continue to read the Word of God, because that is our strength. If we are sustained by the Word of God, how will we be sustained if we do not know the Word of God, right? So we need to know the Word of God. That's, that's why we come and study together. That's why we read God's Word on our own time. We see the power of God. We see the God who can speak and things 
can be created. We see the Word of God that we can read, that we can hide it away in our hearts so that we may not sin against God. There is power in the Word. And there are probably instances in everybody's life in here, or many of your lives in here, that there has been some passage that God has brought to your attention, that God has shown to you, that God has spoken to you through some other person, and that passage has given you the strength to carry on when you did not look like you were going to make it. Are you struggling with something today in your life? You need to go to the Word of God. If you're struggling and your life is falling to pieces, you need to be sustained, and we are only sustained by the Word of God. So there's two ways that we see the Word of God. His spoken Word and the written Word. The, 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 the biggest way that we see the Word of God is revealed to us in Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ himself is referred to as the Word of God. John chapter 1, verse 1. I've I think I've said this verse in some way, shape, or form just about every week since we've been in the book of Hebrews. And John chapter 1 is a significant chapter. It is a very important chapter uh, because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So from the very get-go, when we talk about God, how is God described to us by John? As the Word. And then in John chapter 1 verse 14... It says, the Word became flesh. Now, who is it talking about there? It's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. So when God created all things, when God spoke, the Word of God is eternal. It's always been. It's been there from the beginning. The Word was God. The Word was with God. And the Word became flesh in Jesus Christ. And so when we're looking for power and we're looking to be sustained through the Word of God, as Hebrews talks about, it is through Jesus Christ. It is through the written Word that we read. It is through the things that we have heard uh, God say that are recorded for us in Scripture. These are the ways in which we see the Word of God. And in this way, the Word of God will sustain us. Matthew chapter 7, verse uh, 29 says this. Oh, no, excuse me. Uh, I didn't finish verse 14. My apologies. Uh, the Word became flesh and took up residence among us. This is significant. Some of your translations may say he dwelt among us or he tabernacles among us. There's significance to this. In the Old Testament, there was a, there was a tabernacle that, that, that God had to work through and the sacrifices and the high priests and all this crazy stuff. And we'll talk about that as we go through the book of Hebrews. But that's what makes Jesus significant because Jesus was God who took on flesh and came right down here in amongst us. He dwelt among us. He tabernacled among us. We observed his glory and the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so here's this idea, the glory of God. We observe that through Jesus Christ, who is God, who is the Word of God, who has become flesh so that he could give his life on a cross, so that we could be forgiven of our sins. This is the powerful Word of God by which we are sustained. And so there's, there's, there's uniqueness to Jesus. There's uniqueness to the, to the life that Jesus lived and the way that he preached, the way that he taught, the way that he interacted with people. And that was obvious. It was obvious to the people that there was something different about him. There were people who had come before, prophets that God had spoken through, and people who had preached and done all these other things. But there was something unique about Jesus 
and it was recognized by the people. Now, Matthew chapter 27, verse 29. Excuse me, Matthew 7, verse 29. Uh, because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. Now, this is right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And the people noticed that there was something profound about what Jesus was teaching them. And what did they say? He was teaching them like one who had authority, not like one of their scribes. Now, there were a lot of people in Jesus' day that were preaching the word of God, but, but not really preaching the word of God. They were preaching a lot of religious teachings on a lot of instances. But here Jesus came onto the scene, and they realized this ain't the same old hogwash that we've been hearing this whole time. There is something different. When Jesus speaks, he speaks with authority. Because he, in fact, is the voice of God. And as we see in the Old Testament, when God speaks, when the voice of God is revealed, that is a powerful thing because God has all authority. And so when Jesus comes in the flesh, the Word becomes flesh. Jesus comes and begins to preach and to teach and to do the work of God. There is a certain authority there that is unlike any who has come before him and unlike any who will come after him. And so when Jesus came, the Word of God came, it changed everything. And that is who we seek today if we want to be sustained. When our life is falling apart, when everything is, it seems like there is no hope, there is no help, there is no light at the end of the tunnel, we are sustained by the Word of God, the powerful Word that is spoken, the Word that is written, and the Word that has become flesh. And that's what Jesus says when he's talking uh, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. The devil's trying to tempt Jesus here and trying to twist Scripture around to, to get, get Jesus to, to be tempted and fall into sin. And Jesus said to the devil in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, It is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You have to look past the, the worldly things, the, 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 perhaps the immediate things that we think we need of this world. And what does God say? That we must live on the Word of God, not the things of this world that may be appetizing for a little while. And when we give in to those temptations for the things of the world, we sin. But we need to be something seeking something bigger than the things of this world. That's one of the ways that the devil tried to tempt Jesus, which always seems crazy to me that he'd say, here's all these kingdoms, you can have them. Hello, he spoke the word and they existed. All things were held together and sustained by Jesus through him for him. So that was a crazy tactic of the devil. What are you going to do, right? And so he tried his best, but one of the things that Jesus said was, look, man must live by what? The Word of God. So the flesh, the Word of God became flesh. Jesus says we must live by the Word of God. And this theme, this idea of flesh and the Word of God in Jesus is kind of intertwined as we look through the New Testament. John chapter 6, verses 33 through 35. Now, a little background here. This is a good chapter. You can read it. Uh, a lot of the people of Jesus' day, they were, really, they were really big on Moses. Oh, Moses, 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 Moses the great, Moses the law. We've got to go back to the law. Look at what Moses did to the people. 
And Jesus is addressing Moses here in John chapter 6. Now, God, through Moses and for the people, uh, brought manna for the people to eat when they were wandering in the wilderness. And they were wandering in the wilderness because they were disobedient to God and they would not listen. Praise the Lord that Jesus is better than Moses. And that's the point that he was trying to make. And they were worried about, oh, Moses did this. Oh, well, Moses in the wilderness. Manna was provided for God's people. And Jesus, as we've already discussed, acknowledges that what Moses did and what God did for Moses and the people was but a foreshadowing of how God would provide for his people. If he provided for his people manna, which didn't appear to be like a very good thing to eat, God's going to do better than that. That's not the best that God can do. God can give us something better than manna that falls from heaven. He can sustain us in a better way. He can give us a better leader than who Moses is. And who is that better leader? It is Jesus Christ. What is the better provision that God gives us? It is through Jesus Christ. And so we see in John chapter 6, John chapter 6 verse 33, For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Now, who is Jesus talking about there? He's talking about himself, okay? Not, not, this, not this manna that, that they were consumed with, but Jesus says, no, there's something better that comes down from heaven. The real bread of God, the real bread of God that's going to sustain you and give you life, not just for a little while, but for all of eternity, is what comes down from heaven. And Jesus is the one who has come down from heaven. Verse 34, then they said, Sir, give us this bread always. Now, this is a good thing to say. That's what you want. Jesus says, Hey, there's better bread than the man in the wilderness that's going to give you eternal life. And the, the crowd here had a good response. Give us this bread. Hopefully, that's our response today. Hopefully, we look at this world and the stresses and the pains and the, and the things of this world and say, there's got to be something better. There's got to be something better that can sustain us both now and for all of eternity because what I'm doing now ain't working. Well, praise the Lord, there is something better that has come down from heaven. That is the bread of life. That is Jesus Christ. So they say, give us some of this bread. We want it. We want to keep on eating this bread so we don't have to eat anything else. All right, verse 35. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. He tells them point blank. No trying to figure it out. No crazy parable. No weird language. They say, we want the bread. Jesus says, okay, I am the bread. You can't live on bread alone, but every word of God. And who is the word of God? It is Jesus, the word of God, who has become flesh. Jesus said, I am the bread. I am the word. I am the one that you need to feed on. And through me you will be sustained. Through me you will have eternal life. Jesus told them, no one who comes to me will ever be hungry. And no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. That is our sustainer. That is the sustainer that maybe today you are looking for. That is the bread that maybe you are looking for. You may have been eating the bread of this world and living for the things of this world. And guess what? You are starving to death today as you sit on this pew. When we, even those of us who are in Christ, when we, when we are not eating the word of God, when we are not seeking Jesus Christ, when we are not trembling at the power of God and, and letting that draw us near to Him, when we are not reading the written Word of God, we will get hungry. We get hungry. There is nothing better when you read the Word of God 
and you seek God and you seek to follow his commands and you put your faith and trust in Jesus and live for him, there is nothing better in your life that you will ever feel. And if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you know that. But you also know even if you put your faith in Jesus Christ that there are times that we live in disobedience. There are times that we, unlike Jesus, give in to the bread of the world. And there are times that we begin to live for ourselves, and we begin to live in sin, and we begin to live for the world, and we are starving. We are malnourished. We're not doing good spiritually. And so maybe for some in this room today, you have already put your faith in Jesus Christ, but maybe today you need to be feasting on the bread of life. You need to be seeking the Word of God who took on flesh to dwell among you. That's maybe what some of us need to do today. But maybe there are some of you in this room, and maybe you've sat on a church pew for many years of your life, but maybe you've never ate the bread of life. Maybe you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe you are picking up the pieces day after day after day after day and it's getting too much for you. And you say, I can't carry this burden anymore. Well, praise the Lord. I've got good news for you today through the Word of God that is living and effective and sharper than a two-edged sword. Let God's Word penetrate you so that you will know that Jesus said, Come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That Jesus will carry our burden for us because he died on a cross to do that. He died and suffered and bled and was, was a crown of thorn was placed on his head and nails through his hands and through his feet. And why did he suffer in such a way? He suffered in such a way so that here today on May the 21st, 2023, Jesus can come to you through the word of God as the word of God and tell you, I will sustain you. And that's good news. That is good news. And some of you maybe needed to hear that good news today. Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you have put your faith in Jesus. But maybe today there's a time for all of us to go to the Lord and say, God, I've been doing things wrong. I haven't been seeking you. I had not been listening to your word. I hadn't been following your word that is Jesus Christ. God, today I'm hungry. My soul is hungry. Our spirits yearn for God when we are not seeking and living in obedience to God. So let us be those today who hear the words of Jesus Christ and say, yes, Jesus, you are the bread of life. Let me eat from you and let me be sustained by you. God's word is good for us. And that is how we are sustained. God spoke. God wrote his word. But most importantly, God, who was the Word, became flesh on our behalf through Jesus Christ. And it is through Jesus Christ and Christ alone that we are sustained today. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you and we thank you for your good Word. God, maybe there are some in this room today and they have heard your Word and it is more real to them than it has ever been today, dear Lord. Maybe you have already been working on their heart for days or weeks, or maybe, God, just today in these few minutes, as we have looked at your scriptures, God, your word has spoken to them, dear Lord. And I pray that that, that has taken place, God. Maybe there are some right now, as I pray, that in their heart they have put their faith in Jesus Christ, that that scripture has penetrated their heart, and they are repenting, dear Lord. They are acknowledging their sin. And they are coming to Jesus in this moment, God. I pray that that be the case. If there are any here that do not know Jesus today, 
God, maybe there are some in this room and they are yours, but maybe they are not living like it. Maybe they are yours, but they are not listening to your word. God, maybe they are yours, but they are not following Jesus Christ. Dear Lord, the book of Hebrews writes these words for us to get our attention. God, we don't want to be those who are tempted and drawn away from Jesus Christ because how will we be sustained if we are? We will not, God. And that is the importance of these words. So God, let us be those today who are sustained through Jesus and all he is. Let us not seek to be sustained by the things of this world, but let us only seek your son, Jesus Christ. God, there are some here today and they are starving and they're hungry and they don't know what they're hungry for. Or maybe they didn't when they came into this place, but God, I pray that right now in these, in these few minutes that they have learned that what they are hungering for is something that this world cannot offer, but that it only comes through Jesus Christ. So God, I pray that today Jesus would be the bread of life for each one of us in this room. God, I pray that we would seek your word and be sustained by your word. God, I pray that your word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, God. So let your word speak to us. Let us seek your word. And God, if you have worked on anybody today, let us in these few minutes respond to your word. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.